Yes, Sunday night, we got not only the Cowboys and the 49ers, but we have the Kings and the Toronto Raptors. Yes. Where's that game going to be played, Simone? Do you know Sunday? Where the... It's going to be in Vancouver. Vancouver, thank you. I want to make that abundantly clear in case (laughs) anyone thought that it was maybe taking place in Toronto as they are matching up against the Raptors. (laughs) But yeah, large country. Our neighbors upstairs, yeah. Neighbors to the north. We the north! Did you see, Kyle Draper, what uh, Masai Ujiri, their general manager, had to say this week about Pascal Siakam? And somebody was asking, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it basically was... Are you committed to him next year because he can be a free agent? And he answered with, well, some of our best players played very selfishly last year. Like, wow. Talking about a multiple-time all-star. <laughs> yes. The face of your franchise right now, too. But let's not let's not get it twisted. Masai Ujiri, he's cutthroat. This guy that traded DeMar DeRozan, remember? I mean, uh, you know, uh, one of Toronto's arguably their greatest player ever. And so, uh, no, he's uh, – I'm surprised that, you know, after all this offseason, all the news, Pascal and OG are still on that team. Remember, they they were involved in every trade rumor out there, and the Raptors didn't pull the trigger on any of them. You know what? I know they were talking about this today. Uh, Chris and Alan were talking about this, and I was thinking about this, and Chris and I were talking about it after the Dame Lillard trade. In recent NBA history, if you look at teams that went out and got superstars in free agency, some of them have had a lot of success. But you look at teams that have acquired superstars through trade, Toronto is maybe the exception. They got Kawhi, they won a championship. But a lot of those teams end up underperforming, and I think a lot of it has to do with how much it costs to get those guys. Right. It it goes back to, you, and you remember this trade. Remember Carmelo Anthony, the trade from Denver to uh, the Knicks. If he would have just waited to the offseason, he could have signed as a free agent, and they still would have had... Danilo Gallinari. They still would have, I think, Amon Shumpert uh, might have been on that team. Uh, you, you still would have had players to build around. But instead, he forced his way out, the trade, and then, you know, the cupboards are bare. Same thing with Anthony Davis and the Lakers. You just wait, sign with him in the offseason. You still have, you know, Kyle Kuzma. You still have, uh, not Kuzma, um, Brandon Ingram. I mm-hmm. mean, you still have, you know, some of the other players that they had. And so, um, no, you're right. You know, trading for a superstar, it, it, it's tough because, you know, you look at Lillard now, you look at, you know, look at Brooklyn and what they did. You know, uh, James Harden going to Philly. Look, like, it just hasn't worked. It's because you give away your draft capital, you are unable to make other moves to surround the talent uh, with these guys. And so, no, you're right about that. Yeah, so I know there was a lot of talk about the Kings maybe um, inquiring as to the availability of OG Ananobi and Siakam, but you consider how much it would cost to get yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think uh, there's no guarantee that either of them would be around long-term either with their contracts, so just wasn't yeah. worth it. Uh, on the chat here, smartest listeners in radio, with some comments on the NBA, CK916 says, uh, Golden State Warriors Arena is going to be changed. They're going to change the name to the AARP Arena. You like that one? <laughs> I do like that one. Yeah. Patrick Donaldson, uh, Chris Paul's a pick-and-roll point guard, not a motion offense point guard like the Warriors run. will be interesting to see what happens there. And Campio Silva says, Draymond and Paul cut from the same cloth. He says, <laughs> uh, and he says, before Thanksgiving, Kerr and Paul will have a fight. They're two, and I'm talking about Draymond and Paul, they're two hard-nosed, hard-headed individuals. 
and I could see some fights in practice, you know, things boiling over, getting too heated. They're two competitors, too. Like, you want that kind of guy on your team. But now you got two of them, and uh, I, I agree with Campio, you know, I just don't see how it works. I think, you know, there will be some dust-ups. Like, if he could – but Jordan Poole is a different. I was going to say, if Jamon can't get rid of, get along with Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole's a, a, a smack talker. He, he's one of those guys right. that, you know, chirps a lot, is in your ear. You know, he's one and of those – Draymond saw him as, you haven't done anything. Right, right, right. And Chris Paul is a, is a future Hall of Famer. And, you know, the one if thing – If they win, it works, right? Right. But if they run into trouble, then they're going to have more trouble. And, and the one thing the Warriors, you know, if, if I'm inside that locker room – I'm listening to all the noise outside, all the doubters, and that's why I'm going to make it work. So if I'm Chris Paul, I'm listening to all the, oh, he's going to want to start. That's why I'll say, you know what, I'll come off the bench Mm -hmm. because I'm listening to all that hate outside the organization. I've I've mentioned this before, but a couple years ago when I was doing filling in the Bay Area, one of the big questions was, who's going to end up being the bigger star, Joey Bart, James Wiseman, or (laughs) Trey Lance? Wow, and they're all gone. Well, Bart's going to be. None of them are close yeah, to none what, of them, yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah. I really think the pandemic hurt a lot of young prospects in a lot of sports. A you lot think of, so, huh? Uh, yeah, and I don't know if the, I, I can't say that was, you know, each of those guys. Uh, that's why they're not the players that we thought they'd be at this point. But I think that was for a lot of guys, they lost a lot of really, and women too, uh, college sports, significant developmental time. Well, I mean, when you look at, you know, you can look at the quarterbacks. You know, from a couple uh, classes ago, you know, Mac Jones, you know, Trey Lance, uh, Zach Wilson, like all those guys are like barely hanging on. You know, Mac Jones might be out of New England after this season. And so, you know, maybe you're right. I don't know if it hurt them or was the we didn't get as much tape. We couldn't evaluate, you know, fully. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't get the three, four years or whatever it is to fully evaluate these guys. And so our evaluation was skewed. Because we didn't get to see him. You still kind of like Wiseman, don't you? Is it Wiseman? I do. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I like Wiseman. I, I think Wiseman uh, has some potential. I, I thought he needed to get out of Golden State. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they do with him uh, in Detroit. Um, but he's kind of, a, I don't want to say a dinosaur, but, you know, he's great defensively around the rim, but can he guard the perimeter? Um, he's shown he can shoot the ball, but not consistently. You know, I, I don't know. He, he's You talk about an underachiever. He's, he's been an underachiever. I'm hoping a new situation will help him out. You know, the sometimes they have an extra stanch and an extra basket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only way James Wiseman would be effective, an effective rim protector, is if they gave him a gun and a whistle and they said, go stand by that extra basket and make sure no one comes near it. That is the <laughs> only way he's a rim protector. Uh, he should the be, only though. Way. But no, he should. What's he, 7-1? <laughs> something like He should be. He's long. He's athletic. Um, I, I think he's a good off-ball defender. You know what I mean? Like, come over. He could get blocks. But, no, don't get me started, Whitey, on, you know, the Wisemans of the world. He's a good off-off-off-off-ball off, 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 off defender. I, I maintain... The organization you go to is so important. He did not get the, you know, Steve Kerr was not in on him from day one, pretty much, I thought. You know, he was in Steve Kerr's doghouse. And what they did to him by sending him to Santa Cruz the way they did, he went to an awful situation for his development. He didn't go to an Orlando 
or an OKC where he could play through his mistakes and develop. Same thing with Trey Lance, you know, and so I also maintain the organization you go to is more important than where you're drafted, like the number. I'd rather be drafted later to a perfect organization where I can develop and grow and, 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 and have the right teaching then be a number one pick and and go to you know or a number two pick and go to the Warriors and, and not even you know get time to develop. They didn't even. I, I don't think they put stock into him, put effort into developing him. I think what happened with them was the owner saw him as one thing and the coach saw him as something else. And right, so right. the coach was like, "Well, he's not going to play unless he defends." And he wasn't a good defender. And then it's like, "Okay, well, we have to play him anyway." And then he got hurt. But to your point, it's a great point. Of course, the Spurs for years were known as one of those teams that, how do they find these guys? Right. Well, they just were great at developing players. And the Kings for years were terrible at that. Right. Terrible. All the draft picks. It appears that that is changing. Not only are they drafting better players, but they're doing a much better job of developing those players. And it makes a critical difference in uh, the development of your team. The hill that I'll die on, and I'll continue to say it, Kawhi Leonard does not become Kawhi Leonard if he doesn't go to San Antonio. When he doesn't have, you know, Tim Duncan, and he doesn't have Ginobili and Parker, and and doesn't have uh, Greg Popovich. Like, they brought him along great. And here's the difference between what the Warriors did and what the Spurs did. Kawhi Leonard played alongside those stars and developed. Moody, Kaminga, they get us a few minutes Wiseman never really got to play alongside Steph Curry for an extended period of time, you know? Obviously, he got hurt. He had some injuries, uh, got sent down to the G League, but he didn't have two years to learn and play alongside them. And, and Whereas Kawhi played right alongside him right. and fit in well and, and fit in seamlessly. I don't think there was any resentment, correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, they didn't look at Kawhi and go, Who's this guy? Right, Whereas the right. Warriors did because some of the veterans looked at the young guys and said, they're bringing them in here to replace us. And there was a rift there. No, that's true. And that's you where know. that championship culture that was so important to the success they had started to crumble. Now, they did win. They beat the Celtics a couple of years ago somehow, some way, which I think when all is said and done, people will look at the Warriors and say, that's the one that, wow, I don't know how they did that. But now they're still dealing with some of the, the fallout of that. No, I 100% agree, and I, I go back to what I've said before. You know, the the Warriors dynasty was great. It was great. You get four titles, awesome. But it could have been extended, meaning I feel like their dynasty, their run is over. If you would have developed Wiseman or Kaminga or Moody, they were supposed to be the next wave, you know, to play alongside Steph, and they just haven't developed. I mean, even Kaminga. You know, during the postseason last year, he couldn't get in. Moody got some minutes, but those guys, I just haven't seen the improvement in the player development, you know, They could the have Warriors. drafted Halliburton mm-hmm. when they drafted Wiseman. They could have drafted Franz Wagner when they drafted Kuminga. And Ooh. I said they should have at the time. Did you say they, that? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all but right. But they, they wanted to swing for the fences, yeah. and they thought, these guys, we need our next superstars, and these guys have the most upside, also have lower floors, so let's roll the dice. And here they are saying... Chris Paul's our guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And th- this is their final year, and I just don't think it'll work. I yeah. just don't. Uh, we'll take a very quick break. When we come back, as promised, a quick look at Kittle and Purdy and how they are fitting to hurt the Cowboys next year. Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. 
the only station in Sacramento giving you local sports coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Sacktown Sports. Question for you, Kyle Draper, on the YouTube chat. It's a drive guys here, Draper, Whitey Gleason. Compio says, Draper, and there's no I in it, so they're spelling it right now. <laughs> Draper, do you think Keta will get major minutes with Boston since the trade of Williams to Portland? No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, they just brought in uh, Winging Gabriel to be the backup uh, center, and Keta is still a couple of uh, years away, but I do think he's going to be an NBA player someday. I, I think, you know, he has an upside that – he just didn't fit in, you know, his timeline didn't fit in with what the Kings needed at this time. They needed a capable backup right now, and Kata, you know, is still a couple of years away, I think. You know, earlier we were talking about how early in the year last year the Lakers were not a very good team and nothing against them, but to that point, remember Winyan Gabriel played a lot. Right. A lot. Early on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I thought he looked good, too. I thought mm-hmm. he uh, played pretty well. You know, our old friend Winyan Gabriel, mm-hmm. obviously a former Sacramento King. But, you know, and then it just didn't work out. You know, they made the trade. They brought in Rui Hachimura. They brought in some other players. And then Winyan Gabriel fell out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get back to the Kings and the NBA bottom of the hour real quick here with the Cowboys and the 49ers coming up. Here's my theory, Kyle. What do you make of it? What do you think? You think it's great already, don't you? I, I, I love it. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> what you got? Uh, when they played in the playoffs last year, George Kittle had five catches for 95 yards in that playoff matchup. Purdy wasn't great, but Kittle uh, played a large role. And the thing is, the Cowboys play a lot of uh, cover one stuff, so they got one safety. That's because the other safety plays the run. So he's cheating on yep. the run. So that means they got to play a lot of man-to-man, man-to-man. stuff underneath. Mm-hmm. And that means Kittle is a tough matchup man-to-man. And that means he's going to have opportunities. And that's where the 49ers, especially in the red zone, are going to dominate <laughs> the Cowboys. I agree 100% with you. I- I'm totally on board with your thinking there. And, you know, when you brought this up uh, earlier, I said, you know what? Whitey might be right. And I think not only Kittle, but look for Debo also. I, I think those two guys – you know, in, in one-on-one coverage underneath, you know, safety deep, probably trying to guard against Ayuk going deep. And so look at the uh, the middle guys. I, I think Debo will have a great game. I, I think Kittle, you know, who's sort of been the kind of the forgotten man, uh, yes. I, I would say, yes. you know, in this offense uh, this season. Um, I, I think this is an opportunity, you know, for, you know, those two guys to get right. And if you're Dallas, I get it. That's your scheme. But I don't think you could cover those guys one-on-one. Like, Debo can't. You can't. And, and that's the, the the poison you have to pick, though, when you go against the San Francisco team. You know, I think they're going to pay a lot of attention to CMC. They're going to try and stop the run. And so that's why I think that— They the, did the, a decent job of that in the playoff game, yeah, but good luck. Yeah, and, and that's why I think, the, the you know, Debo and Kittle are going to have big games. One of the things I've enjoyed watching the 49ers this year and also listening to them here on Sackdown Sports— um, and we knew that he's a good route runner, but you watch in isolation some of the routes that Ayuk runs, and they're incredible. Where, you know, plant, come one way, and then plant, come back the other yes. ways. How does anybody yes. cover somebody doing that? And, and I think he's probably one of the most underrated uh, wide receivers out there. Nobody's really talking about him. And, you know, all the guy did was, you know, catch for more than 1,000 yards, open up the week with Offensive Player of the Week in Week 1. Uh, I, I think, you know, Debo gets a lot of love. CMC obviously gets a lot of love. Brock Purdy on the Today Show. But Brandon Mayuk is pretty darn good, too. Yeah, he's not the fastest. Mm-hmm. He's not slow, but he's not the fastest. You know, he's 
doesn't compare favorably speed-wise to some of the guys the Dolphins have, but he's got a big payday coming up next season, and he's uh, it's just everybody says it. It's true. How many weapons the 49ers have? It's incredible, and Dallas have figured It's like, you know, pick your poise. You want to stop the run? All right, then you're going to have to play man-to-man, and I think that's the 49ers' biggest advantage in the passing game this week. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, if if I'm defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, how do you attack this Niners team? I think, you know, when you look at You're the— Dan Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting on my coaching hat. You almost hat. won a Super Bowl, Coach. Nice job. Yeah, almost, right? <laughs> I put on my coaching cap, and I am I think you got to bring pressure. I think, you know, you got to win the line of scrimmage battle, and that means stopping the run and getting pressure coach, on coach, Brock Purdy. Didn't you see what Brock Purdy did against pressure when, when the Giants blitzed 85% of the time? He gets it out quickly. He gets it out. He gets it out quickly. Your defense is a little better than the Giants' defense, I know. And and I'm not saying bring – like, can the the Giants – I mean, uh, the Cowboys' front four, can they get pressure on Brock Purdy? They're good enough. I think, you know, the Giant – the the Cowboys' pass rush is, you know, with with Micah Parsons, and we saw it in in week one with Watt, T.J. Watt. He can get back there and cause some havoc. Watt did that, you know, late second quarter and in the second half. If Micah Parsons can can get, you know, put some pressure on Brock, but it's just too many weapons. And, and we talked about it last week. Brock Purdy, his decision-making is, is what makes, separates him. Forget about the arm. Forget about the weapons. He knows what to do with the football, whether throw it away or hit the weapons early. Do you think uh, with Micah Parsons rallying all the Cowboy fans, they're going to just fill Levi's. <laughs> Will the 49ers be able to hear Brock Purdy's signals when they have the ball? Right, Will it right. just be, oh, Cowboys, right. they have the Cowboys! <laughs> you know, I, when I went to the Cowboys uh, game down in Dallas, their, their pregame, their tailgating is is second to none. You all roll through and you hear Weedon boys yeah. everywhere, you know? That's not happening up here in Santa Clara. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Niners fans, that, and that's one thing I appreciate about them, they travel and they're not going to let you come up in their building like that. It's going to be a sea of red. And uh, this is the, a big test for Dak Prescott. This is one of those games that, you know what? If you want to be that guy, you want the love, you want the respect, come out there and win a game like this on the road. Yeah. Now, he doesn't play well, but he plays well in the playoffs, and they actually do something. He's fine. But, you right. know, this is a critical year for him in Jerry Jones' eyes. So it's an especially significant for him, not only this week, Dak Prescott, that is, but also in terms of his Cowboy future and whether he's going to have one. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the thing about Dak and the Cowboys, you know, you can go back 25 years. In my opinion, they've been one of the most underachieving teams they get all the oh, hype, yeah. they got all the talent, and yet when it's time to win a big game, like we talked about, you know, it, it, it just doesn't happen. And I like well, you're Dak old enough and, to remember. I'm older than yeah. you, but the Cowboys were always always in the playoffs good. and quite yeah. often in the championship in the game. Championship the game. Exactly. And I'm going even before Troy Aikman and them. I'm going back to Starbuck and yeah. Danny White. Yeah. They were always, always in the mix. And, you know, this Cowboys era of Cowboys football. They do good in the regular season, but then they crap the bed come to postseason. And so to Dak Prescott, you know, he's a good quarterback, a very good – I could argue he's a top-10 quarterback, but he just can't get him over the hump. When he needs to make that play to get the win, he just can't do it. And, and I'm looking at the YouTube chat now. Our boy Campio, Campio says Prescott is overrated. Every quarter, Dallas quarterback <laughs> – in the last 30 years has been overrated, in my opinion. Tony Romo was overrated. But I, I I maintain, you put Dak on this Niners roster, 
You can't tell me they're not a still a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think also, he'd do pretty well. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> he'd be well. he be all right. He'd be halfway <laughs> decent, right? And so no, but this is this is his season. You're right about that. And I don't know who they turn to after this season. Is it Trey Lance? Do they go out there and make a trade? Do they bring in a veteran quarterback? I don't know. But this is Kirk Dak Cousins, side. maybe. I don't Kirk know. Cousins, yeah. Do you think that, uh, I know we were talking about this before the show, Brock Purdy, is he close now to becoming the the face of the 49ers on the Today Show? And, of course, NBC is just promoting that they have Sunday Night Football. But I I think, you know, you're you're, you're shaking the head. Usually with a quarterback, it's like, yes, of course. But on this team, it's like, "Mm, I don't know. Can they have multiple faces of the organization? Remember when we had Chris Biederman on, you and I, and he said – it's Kyle. It's Shanahan. Kyle. It's Kyle. But I, I think it's Kyle for NFL people. I'm talking about the people at home that don't watch football, that don't uh, care about, you know. Uh, well, for them, the face of the NFL is Taylor Swift. It's Taylor <laughs> Swift, right. But, you know, Tom Brady transcended sports. Like, uh, obviously, you know, people outside the NFL knew him, um, obviously, because. But if Brock keeps winning and if the Niners win, I think his story then his story starts being told more. You know, the last Mr. Irrelevant coming out of nowhere. There's going to be a really stupid movie about him. It's going to be a movie. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, Brock Purdy is about to become that guy that casuals know who he is. Mm-hmm. If they win the Super if Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl. If, if they win the Super Bowl, then Kyle Shanahan, everything he's done is, uh, to, he's vindicated, not vindicated, but it's like, yes, it's, yes. What's the word when, uh, validated? Validated, word, yes, me. yes. Everything they've done is validated, and he and his dad are a father-son coaching tandem <laughs> that have won Super Bowls. Uh, but, again, as we've said before, you know, their cap space is looking pretty decent for next year. But with this team, if you don't do it this year, then there's going to be a lot of, in your own head, wondering, I don't know what I have to do to win. Right, right. The roster is there. Yeah. You know, I, I think the NFC is wide open outside of the uh, Eagles. Obviously, those are the top two teams. What more can you do if you're Kyle Shannon and if you're John Lynch to build a roster, a Super Bowl roster? This is arguably the best roster in the entire NFL. And so – now they just got to go out there and do it, you know. Now, now it's just play the games. You got to play the games and see how it plays out. I will say this: there's been a lot of talk of how your Eagles are kind of underwhelming, and I know I was on with Zachariah yesterday, and he says, you know, they're just not playing that well. That's true, but I don't care. I mean, the fact that they aren't playing well and they still haven't lost a game, they're terrifying to me. That, that's scary. Exactly. Yes, and, yes. And yeah. They're winning without their A game right mm-hmm. now. You know, Jalen Hurts doesn't look that great. Uh, the run game is is on point, though. The ground game has been great. Um, but, no, it, I, I would be afraid if I'm the Niners or another team. It's like we're not even getting the Eagles' best shot, and they're, yes. and they're still they're finding still ways to win games. And so, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on, man. Coming up next, back to the NBA and the Kings. The Ringer has some uh, preseason rankings. They put the Kings behind which teams? The sad truth is next here on The Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. And what a great question here in the chat. What do you think, Kyle Draper? This is from one of the great listeners in, in all of radio, Rock and New Era 84. He asks, is Mike McCarthy the NFL version of Doc Rivers? Ooh, got the one ring. I See, I like Doc, and I think yeah. McCarthy's kind of a... I don't think there's much there. So to me... I don't see it that way, but it is an interesting question. Yeah, got a lot of talent, underachieves with it, gets multiple jobs, you know, keeps, you know, resurrecting himself. Maybe. 
Would they I get think rid Doc of McCarthy? Is a good coach, no, Doc's I don't a good think McCarthy coach. is. To me, that's the big right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm hundred percent with that. Doc's a good coach. Doc's yeah. Doc has achieved a lot. He just hasn't gotten over the hump. Like he, you know, that Clippers team, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. They they had it. They had their shots. Uh, they just couldn't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Drive Guys here. Thanks for being with us. Our first show, uh, kind of giddy with excitement giddy. here. But <laughs> we're also excited because, of course, the new NBA season is upon us. And that's why the ringer has today. You know, Kyle, I'm not a huge fan of power rankings. But here we have the NBA preseason power rankings. So you got just going quickly down the list here before we get to what's juicy. Uh, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Pistons. Uh, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Rockets. Then you have blow-it-up candidates. These teams <laughs> stuck in the middle without a clear path toward contention. You got the Bulls and you got the Toronto Raptors. On the rise, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, the Brooklyn Nets. The wild cards, teams are enigmas with talent to soar and or the volatility to implode. They got Minnesota and Dallas and Atlanta. Then we get to the category that the Kings are in. Yes. Young and hungry. These teams, led by youthful stars, are quickly on the rise with the potential to disrupt the established order around the league. Again, this is according to the ringer. 15, Oklahoma City. 14, Cleveland Cavaliers. They won 51 games last year. (laughs) 13, Sacramento Kings. 13's, you know, in that what they say they are as far as – Young and hungry. That's not bad, but they have them behind the New Orleans Pelicans and the New York <laughs> Knicks. What? So uh, the guy that wrote this, Kevin O'Connor, that's my guy. Good friends with Kevin O'Connor. KOC. Him and I go back to our Get him on the show so we yeah, can we, yell at him. Simone, we may have to get up uh, <laughs> Kevin O'Connor here in the next segment. But he's an analytics guy. He's a, you know, a, a numbers guy. And DeMontis Sabonis isn't necessarily an analytic street. Like, you know, he's not a three-point shooter. He's, you know, and so I would imagine some of what Kevin O'Connor said is because of his biasness towards DeMontis Sabonis. He said he earned all NBA honors for his regular season contributions, but his shortcomings as a shooter and rim protector became an issue in, in the playoffs. Can the Kings reach a championship level with Sabonis as their center? Question mark. Hmm. And so, and, and that's a valid point. That's that's a valid question. But to have them behind the Knicks and the Pelicans, and and this is why I throw out what Kevin O'Connor had to say because I I, I want to continue on real quick here, Whitey. Yeah, take. He time. has the Golden State Warriors at number six. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, and if you read the Warriors, uh, they're knocking on the door. This is the knocking on the door section. He's excited to see Chris Paul with Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. Knocking on the door to the old folks. Yeah, exactly. He says it's going to be weird. Will it be a match made in basketball heaven or a wild experiment gone wrong? We won't know until Draymond returns. But what's different for Golden State this season, aside from CP3, is the trade flexibility. Talking about Kaminga, Moody, and the draft picks. So he's saying the reason that they're number six is because of the trade flexibility. Because they can get somebody else. Right, exactly. So he did not make a case 
for why Golden State would be number six. And so I have to immediately throw out this. And Simone, I'm about to text you Kevin O'Connor's numbers, see if we could get him on here. I, I just don't get this love for the Warriors, and nobody can explain to me why they're going to be a great team. And then just look at the top-ranked teams, for what it's worth in this power ranking. How many of them are from the Pacific Division? They've got Denver 1, Boston 2. Then they've got the Bucks 3. Then it's Phoenix 4, Lakers 5, Warriors 6, the Grizzlies 7. <laughs> uh, you're not high on the Grizzlies I'm at not, all, right? He's got, he's got them 7. And, 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 you know, when you look at what he says, John Morant will be suspended. We know that. Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart will... He doesn't give any reasons why they will be as good as they are. As long as Morant keeps his act together upon his return, this team could be a force. But he's missing 25 games. You know, if they go 15 and 10, that'll be good. I just don't see it. Yeah, he says with Smart and JJJ, the Grizzlies are armed with the past two defensive players of the year. But Smart is not, and I like Smart, but he's not the defender he No, was he was. wasn't. Yeah, last year it was a bad defensive year for Marcus Smart. He, he's not that game changer. At least he wasn't last year. And they have the Clippers eighth, according to these power rankings. So look how many teams uh, in the Kings division that are ranked ahead of them. Hey, you know, that's fine. That's not a bad category to be in, but, you know, young and hungry. But there's still a, you know, a little bit of disrespect, I think. Uh, showing through there for how the ringer really feels about the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I, I just don't That's get, fine. you know, it, it, but, and we've talked about it before. If I'm a Kings player, that's all fuel. I'm eating that up. It's like we still got tons of doubters out there. We still have so much to prove. I mean, what have the Knicks done? You know, why are the Knicks uh, ahead? I can see I, Cleveland. I like, know. Cleveland had a great year last season. Right. They're, like, I get it. Okay, you know, we're rated ahead of Cleveland. I think Cleveland's a good team. They finished fourth in the Quint, East last Quentin season. Quentin Grimes has untapped potential. <laughs> That's part of the reason they give here. And I like him too, but still, really? You know, it's interesting when you read some of these reviews of the Kings. I think, and I think Kevin O'Connor's one of them here. O'Connell or O'Connor? O'Connor, yeah. O'Connor, pardon me. Um, he's one of them here. A lot of the stuff you read about the Kings, they kind of aren't sure about, for example, the Zinkoff, yeah. right? So... One of the most underrated acquisitions is Sasha Vizinkov, who I am extremely high on because his sharp shooting skill is Taylor made for Mike Brown's offense. So there is put it out there. So I was like, well, if they're really good, I told you they're really good, but I don't know. And he says, <laughs> uh, the Kings fans want more. The Kings appear to be super competitive. So it sounds like that's a team that they know this, they could be really good, but I'm going to give more love to the teams that are better known and have more superstars. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like, everything's positive it's you know Sabonis you know is, is had an all caliber all NBA Hollinger season doesn't like Sabonis either does he no no because those are numbers yeah, guys they, you know if you don't shoot the three they don't like you you know and, and uh, he only shot it at 37 percent right year, so. exactly and but I also think that they believe you know in their defensive metrics and I don't know how DeMonte Sabonis grades out on their defensive metrics also. It's it's just something – you're talking about a three-time All-Star, an All-NBA third team, but the level of disrespect is still there for DeMonte Sabonis. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. <laughs> I don't know if I should read this from Arthur Smith. My folks from Memphis say they 
Uh, okay, I, I I thought you were talking about your folks. I guess you're talking about the team. My <laughs> folks from Memphis say they might be in a hole by the time Chalk comes back with the West being so good, might not make the playoffs, and I would put Sacramento as the seventh instead, says Arthur Smith. So he yeah. would have the Kings seventh instead of the Grizzlies, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm with that. I, like, what have the Kings done this offseason that would turn people off, you know? It's just that for people that don't know, I could see how if you're not sure, it's like because they've made those under-the-radar kind of sneakier moves. And so it's like, well, I, I don't know. Is that good? Look at what the Suns did. That's sensational. Right, so, right. And the Warriors got Chris Paul. My goodness. It, and and that's, that's the problem with, you know, everybody's all about the headlines, the right. clicks, the things like that. Winning but, the offseason. But, but, you know, one of the things when you talk to, you know, coaches and players, what about continuity? What about chemistry and letting that develop instead of always trying to make changes in and out? And and that's one thing Mike Brown mentioned uh, to me during uh, media day is that, you know, he loved the fact that Monty just is letting this team grow and develop instead of just looking for some quick fix like we've seen other teams do. Do you, should I apologize to Arthur the way I – because when he said, my folks from Memphis say they might be you know, – I thought he was saying – Where were you going with that? Buried. He says, I have we're relatives gonna, yes. in Memphis. Well, he his said, folks, my folks. I his thought people. Like, older, and his people are like, we're going to be in the ground by the time John comes back. That's what I first oh, thought yeah. he was saying. And that's not what he's saying at all. Not at all. He's that saying his people. Me. His the, people back in Memphis. Yeah, that's what he's and saying. they think the team will be in a hole. 339-1140. 1-800-920-1140. TC's with us on Sackdown Sports. Hello, TC. Thanks for hanging. What's up? Hey, what's up, Whitey? What's up, Drake? Yo, TC. What's up? What's up? Just tapping in, man. Look, check it out. So, y'all know, man, diehard Niner, diehard Kings fan. So, let's uh, the Kings, first and foremost, don't sleep on them, bro. They could be a, a, a sleeper NBA Finals, and that's just not me being a homer, man. They could really be a sleeper NBA Finals. JaVale McGee came over. He's not really a... I, I'm not going to call him some type of superstar needle mover, bro, but dude's going to come in and have everybody laser focused for sure. And as far as the Niners, let's check it out. Everybody don't get caught up in a fairy tale land, man. Brock Purdy's doing cool. Shannon Handy to stay out of his way. Um, but they got to win a Super Bowl, bro. They got to win it all this year, period. It's not none of that get to the playoff, NFC championship game, uh, today TV. You can do all these interviews all you want, bro, and then get knocked out in the playoffs. That's not a successful season. Don't get caught up in a fairy tale. You can have fun this season, but the end goal is a Super Bowl, bro. They got everything they want. They got the real deal quarterback. You got all these star players and all that. Ain't no more excuses, bro. Win the Super Bowl. There's no. Do you have a score for this week? 49ers Cowboys, do you have a score for us? Uh, I go. Let me see. I go uh, 24-13, Niners. Gotcha. Wow. Thank you, TC. Good to hear from you. That's kind of low scoring, right? You think it's going to be higher scoring? Yeah, I think it's going to be higher scoring. I I, I think, you know, this Cowboys offense, uh, you know, you look at what they've been able to do. They're fourth in points. They're averaging 31 points per game. Uh, They have all the weapons. They got a ground game. They have a passing attack. The Niners' defense – Pass defense hasn't been that great this season. Okay, you're right. Uh, they've been okay, but they haven't been great. And so I, I think it'll be more like 31-24, 35-28, something like that. You know, yeah. you want to see your team win, but I just I would like to see some more closer, more competitive games. 
You know? But there's been terrible competition, Whitey, up yeah. until this point. This is the first real uh, NFL team, a contender, that they're going to face. Yeah, and so this this is a big test under the lights, uh, uh, Sunday night football. And so I, I'm expecting a tight game. This will be a good I one, so. I think. This will be so. a good one. Yeah, it'll be a big win for the 49ers. Coming up next, guess who was practicing with the Sixers today? How about Ooh. that? Next year in the Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. <laughs> Your new home for 49ers football in the 916 Sacktown Sports. You heard it from TC. What did he say, 24 13? Is that what he said the funnel was? Yeah. Yeah, he said a low scoring game. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty low. So there you go. I mean, you might as well watch got and listen. Faith here, in right? that uh, Niners defense, huh? Yes, yes. Well, after what Arizona, the way they ran the ball down the Cowboys' throats, there's, there's every reason to think CMC is going to go off this week. Huge game. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys, uh, KD and, and KG. On the text line here, 339-1140, from the 916. Hey, guys, I'd like to point out that the Kings got the same kind of criticism for not making any moves at the trade deadline last year, and look how that turned out. That is true, text 100% of the day nominee true. right there. Yes, yes, 100% true. In Monty, we trust. You know, I, and I'll say – since I've been here, the moves he's made, they pretty much worked. Trading Tyrese. I didn't want to see Tyrese go. But Sabonis was a culture changer. He came in and, and helped change the culture. You know, drafting Keegan Murray. You know, drafting Tyrese even. You know, and so um, he's he's done a great job, Monty has. And he tunes out all that outside noise and just does his job. Uh, by the way, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. It's interesting because uh, Monty studied under Daryl Morey. Yes, right? but yes. they don't really, right now anyway, <laughs> go about it the same way. They're a little different. They're a little different. Exactly. They're a little different. And uh, Daryl Morey, he's involved in a uh, a storm right now. I don't a conundrum, if you will, and yes. I don't I don't see how he gets out of it. Well, it was actually a sunny day for the Sixers today, or at least it appeared to be. James Harden participating in virtually the entire practice, and by the accounts of everyone involved, looked good while doing so. James Harden working out with the Sixers today. Good for him. Good for him. You know why? Because if he stayed away, excuse me, if he stayed away, he might get fined. He might lose some money. He wants his money. I, how do you rectify that situation, though? That's the that's the question. If you're the Sixers, how do you rectify? Harden's there, but he doesn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. Nick Nurse said he looked good. He looked good. Participated in the majority of practice anyway. Looked like he's physically in good shape. <laughs> how ludicrous is this? Where yeah, he was here and he everything seemed to be fine. He's fine. I my read on that to answer your question, Kyle, is it looks like they're gonna just. Hope against hope that without any other choices, he's going to come in and play for them, and they're going to get something approaching a good version of James Harden. Yeah, and and I think that's a win-win. That's the best-case scenario for both parties. And if I'm Daryl Morey, this is what I do. We know James Harden doesn't trust me. We know he said he won't play uh, for a Daryl Morey team ever again. I'm calling James Harden up. I'm inviting him in my office, and I'm saying, James I know you don't want to be here. I know you want to get traded. I will do my best to trade you. But you have to come here and compete. You compete, play hard, that boosts your trade value, that boosts interest around the league in you. 
makes it easier for me to trade. The more you sit out, the harder it is to you know to, to trade James Harden. Daryl, you like, told me you were going to trade me before, and you didn't trade me. Why should I listen to you now? You have no choice. That's it. Huh? You, you really don't have yeah, no choice, like, right? We're not promising you, do? you anything, but if you increase your trade value, there's a better chance we can trade. Exactly. You. We're not promising you anything. Exactly. And and this is and I I like watching James Harden play. Like I'm one of the few that actually doesn't mind the dribble dribble step back three. I'm okay with it, but. The way he forced his way out of Houston, he forced his way out of Brooklyn, and now he's forcing his way out of um, Philadelphia. Matt Barnes said it. Kendrick Perkins said it. He's in danger of being out of the league. The way he's forcing himself, uh, his way out of all these teams, and that's why he hasn't been traded. You know, I forget who said it. You know, uh, I think it was um, Mark Spears. No, Stephen A. Smith today, actually, on ESPN said, that the Houston Rockets were going to offer James Harden a max contract. You know, sign here, sign a trade, we'll, we'll max you out. Well, Harden in the meeting, this is according to Stephen A., talked about how he wanted to revert back to Houston, James Harden, lead the league in scoring, be that kind of player again. And according to Stephen A. today, said, Houston said, no, thanks, but no thanks. Because that's not what we want. We got a young team. Yeah, we don't want you to be ball dominant. And so, you know, James Harden, who is James Harden now? He actually had a good season last year, Whitey. Statistically, he was good. He just flamed out at times in the playoffs. Really up and down. uh, Really up and down. But he won two games for the Sixers against the Celtics uh, last year, scoring 40-plus. And so I don't know where he fits in in the league anymore. What's a good team for him? What's a good situation for him that could be better than what it, where he's already at in Philadelphia? I agree. And according to reports here, what the uh, Sixers are trying to do, they're trying to create an atmosphere that is acceptable to him. They paid him 25% of his contract on Friday. That was due by Sunday. Uh, that after already having paid the initial 25% payment he was scheduled to receive on July 1st. Um, we're just trying to figure ourselves out as a whole group. That's, uh, I think that's Tobias Harris. So everybody's teammates are saying, yeah, I mean, he's here. Hopefully we can go forward with things. And obviously, uh, the ball almost literally is in his court here, but I think you're right. If you're James Harden, what else are you going to do? You're going to quit and go to China. Right. And, And here's the thing with James Harden, the Sixers are good enough to compete for a title. I don't know if they could beat Milwaukee. I don't know if they could beat Boston. But last year, they could have got it done. Like, they had the pieces. But the players, Embiid and Harden, they just didn't show up um, against the Sixers in in, in the biggest of moments. But roster-wise, that's a good roster. That's a good team. And so, I don't know what James Harden wants. Like, why, why is he begging out of all these situations? I understand Brooklyn was sort of dysfunctional with the Kyrie situation. But why wouldn't you want to play with Joel Embiid? Why wouldn't you want to play with a team that can challenge in the Eastern Conference? I just don't get it. Do you think Nick Nurse can be um, the agent of improvement there? Because it's hard to see that team. How are they a lot better than last year? Clearly, they have to be better than last year, even though they were 54-28. and 28. So how are they going to be better? That's what I'm yeah, trying to and, figure and, out here. And That's if, assuming he comes back. Yeah, and I question whether Nick Nurse is the right coach for James Harden as well. Doc Rivers was a player's coach. You know, you talk to anybody, players love Doc Rivers. Nick Nurse is very critical of players. Like, if you're not getting it done, 
he will let you know, and he will let you know in the media. You ask a guy, hey, Nick, how come he's not playing? Well, he didn't do A, B, C, or D. You know, Nick is very uh, truthful and open when it comes to, to that. And that's not going to work. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's going to work with James Harden. Whereas I thought Doc Rivers sort of, you know, is a player's coach, shielded him a little bit and covered for him a little bit. And so I, 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 don't, I don't know how that mix is going to work. I just think there's too much drama. And when you're playing, you know, assuming they get anywhere near uh, the finals, you're in the playoffs, you're playing against really good teams. Uh, the more buttoned down you are, the more cohesiveness that you have, continuity. It's a real advantage in the biggest games. And I think there's just been too much drama right. for that team to really – realistically have a chance to compete against teams like the Heat, the Celtics, and the Bucks. And, and to your point, it's all fine and dandy during the regular season. But when you're in the trenches, when you need to count, look across and count on that other person, can Embiid really count on James Harden? We saw that right? in that Boston right, series last exactly. year. Exactly. And, and so you're 100% right. And, and, and it's not about X's and O's and how you play basketball. It's do you trust your teammate to deliver in the biggest of moments? I don't know that James Harden has ever really, if winning has been the most important thing. And that may sound like a terrible thing to say, but, you know, some guys like to win. I'd like to win, but there are other things that are more important to him. And I'm not sure he's, you know, it's almost unhealthy uh, what a competitor you have to be to be one of the best players right. in the NBA. And I just don't know if being James what Harden could he more do, though, Whitey? What um, more could he? I mean, because I'm looking at the Celtics series. Well, and, and you know, stop quitting on teams and stop sabotaging situations because he's not happy with exactly the way things uh, are set up for him. I don't know if he could also guard somebody. Right, he guards somebody or just show up in the big moments. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he turtles. It seems like when they need him the most, right? He turtles, and and that's and and that's that's before. Philly, that's going back to Brooklyn, that's going back to Houston. I mean, he's been that yeah. guy his whole career. But they like. are better off with him, and he's yes. better off with them right now. Yes. And I think the league is more interesting if he's there, don't you? No, he's he's great. He's great for sports talk radio. He's great for, you know, fans. Like, he's still one of the more popular players in the league. Coming up next, which Kings newcomer will have the biggest impact Ooh, on the 2023-24 like Sacramento Kings with Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Drive Guys. Sacktown Sports.